Welcome to Momentum Church. Man, it's good. I tell you, when the presence of the Lord moves like that, it's like you just want to be quiet. Let's just, we can just go home now, amen? But, but I do want to get into this next fifth week of this series. And um, this is the Above the Line series. How many's enjoying it? Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm not just asking that because pastor's like, yeah, are you enjoying this? Stop, please, no more. No, no, I'm literally, every week, I'm having people text, call, post pictures, all sorts of stuff, very much making that decision to live above the line. I think even this week, Arden, I did something, and she said, Daddy, that's a below the line, you know? <laughs> She's six years old. I sent her to her room. So, no, <laughs> that's below the line. But what I've been teaching this last month or so is that in life, everybody wants a model. Everybody wants a pattern. And for us, this is the most simple model that we'll ever walk in. And it's judging in our lives whether something is above or below the line. That's it. Every decision, action, behavior, thought, is it above or below the line. And for husbands and wives, I, I say you're welcome. Because I know what you guys have been doing. Because Amy and I have been doing that for a year as we got a hold of this teaching the last year. You know, it's like, baby, I'm not sure. I think that might be a little below the line, you know. And she's like, it's going to be below the belt here in a second. You know, so, no. No, but we've been using that as a conversation thing the last year. You know, how can you question that in a way that is a little bit more above the line? How can you, you know, how can you think of that in a way that's a little more above the line? And so what we've been looking at is that below the line, you have life happening to me. You are living literally. Everything's happening to me. Why is this happening? Thank you. On above the line, you have things happening by me. By me. That's not a me. There we go. By me. Things are happening by me. And the whole principle that we've been looking at is that, <clears throat> excuse me, that we want to move from life happening to us to us taking the responsibility to move in by me living. Now, I'm going to walk in responsibility of my thoughts, my actions. And last week, I gave you guys a 100% rule, a sheet. You saw that. I've seen people take pictures of that. They have on their Facebooks. A guy this morning, I come up to him, and he goes, hey, Pastor Ross, look at this. He put the 100% rule on his screen of his phone to remind him. And in a sense, that's awesome because that is responsibility. That's what moves you from to me living to better spelling that moves you from to me living to by me living is that radical commitment to responsibility. And I told you there's two parts to responsibility. I shared this with you last week, and I want to just bump into it a little bit more, that the first part is that we commit in life to taking full responsibility for the circumstances of our lives and for our physical emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. No longer am I going to place on others that responsibility. No, no, I'm going to take responsibility. It's going to come toward me. I'm going to take it, and I am taking that full responsibility for those things in my life. That's the first part. Now, the second part, because if you think about it, that could be burdensome. If you think about it, everything I do, I'm responsible for. 
Man, that's heavy. So the second part of responsibility is I am going to commit to supporting others to take full responsibility for their lives as well. That's what's really neat about this. It's not just me taking responsibility. <coughs> I'm committing to help others take responsibility in, in their lives as well. Well, pastor, what does that look like? I'll give you an example. You're at work, and you have a, pro, pro, a, a program you guys are working on, all right? Something that you're working on, and one of the teammates, they failed. They missed their part. They did not accomplish what they were supposed to accomplish. Now you're getting called on by the boss. He's looking at this. The team has failed, and in that environment, you don't want to throw them under the bus, actively, all right, but passively, your ego is hurt. You don't want to feel like it wasn't, it was your fault. No, no, I did what I was supposed to do. I was taking responsibility. That person didn't do what they were supposed to do. They didn't live up, but, but passively, you don't actively go and deal with it. You passively go to the water cooler. Do you know what Mary Jo did? Man, we got called into the, to the, to the, the boss today to present our, pro, our, our, our program, and, and man, she failed, and, da, da, da. and so you passively speak it here at the water cooler. You know you hope that somehow it dwindles back, and she hears it. That's not holding her accountable. That is moving below the line, right? So when you're helping somebody stay accountable, you are sitting with them. And do you guys remember the whole idea of on one side you have the conscious triangle, on the other side you have the drama triangle? On the conscious triangle you have a coach, a creator, and a challenger? On the, 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 the um, um, drama triangle you have a victim, a villain, and a hero? So let's take this, all right? You could go down here and you could be saying, like, I can't believe she did this. She's now the villain and you're the victim. You wanted to be the hero. And so you fill all that drama. You go to protect your ego, and you go below the line. Or you hold her accountable. Mary Jo, I need to talk to you. What happened? Why did you miss that deadline? That's an uncomfortable conversation to have, right? But it's getting to the point. And you challenge. We had a plan. We had a deadline. What happened? And you know what that person might say? Man, you don't even realize. My mother's been in the hospital with COVID. And, and, and next thing you know, it's like, oh my gosh, there's some reasons here. Then you can move into the creator. Man, is there anything I can do? You've challenged. Now you can create. Anything I can do to come alongside to help get your part of the program established or fixed? You know, let's work through this. So you pull it out of the drama triangle and you push it up into the conscious triangle. You're awake in that moment. You're, you're conscious. Does that make sense? And this will work with a hundred different things. But it's beautiful because you're not just putting the burden on you. No, you're holding other people responsible as well. Now, what begins to happen when you do that, people don't like to be held responsible. Amen? And here's what will happen. Your life will start to be surrounded by more people that are above-the-line thinkers, above-the-line behaviors, above-the-line people that get into action, above-the-line, than below-the-line, if that's what you do. If you hold yourself responsible and others responsible, the ones that will not hold them responsible, with themselves responsible, they won't want to be around you. Guess what that means for you? Less drama! Make me Pentecostal shout up in here, you know. 
Yeah. Now, pastor, are you, are you, are you advocating writing people off? No, I'm advocating challenging, creating, and coaching people to something better. But if they're not going to be challenged, created, or coached into something better, if they want to keep going below the line, guess what? My promotion isn't dependent upon them. I'm going to get what the boss has for me. Does that make sense? I'm not going to do it by going below the line and talking at the water cooler. I'm going to go do it by working hard and doing what I can take responsibility for. I love that, all right? Can you tell I enjoy this, this teaching? I really do. So this doesn't mean everything rests on us. No, it means that we begin to live with an expectation that others take full responsibility for their life. Now, central to both to-me living and by-me living, that's going to drive me crazy. Look at that. That erase is nice there. Central to both to me and by me living is one word. And I want you to, when you see it, I want you to shout it out. Me. me. That is at the center of to me living and by me living. Central. In other words, self is at the center of our consciousness. How we are awake, how we go about life. I hate to tell you, we're kind of selfish people. Just how we're wired. And so self is at the center of that, that consciousness. This doesn't mean that we don't think about other people or issues or the future or the past. It just means that our thoughts in these states are about how everything relates to ourselves. So when you're in the state of to me living and the state of by me living, me is the focus. It's at the center. Whether it's I can't believe things keep happening to me or if it's going to get done, it has to happen by me. I'm still in the middle. I'm still in the center of it all. And that's not bad. It's just how we're hardwired at the core. It's how our mind, our ego, and our identity expresses itself. It's just, it's just who we are. I, I believe it's probably part of the, the sin nature, you know, just how, how man is created. And if we're not careful, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll succumb to that sin nature. But, man, we are delivered. We're victorious. We are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We don't have to succumb and live below the line when God told us to live above the line. He even said that you're the head and not the tail, that you're above and not beneath. Well, oh, I just thought of that. That's a good scripture. That should have been the scripture for this whole series, right? Stop being the tail. Now, don't go getting below, below the line. <laughs> So from these two states of consciousness, we can't interact with our world in any other way but with us at the center. It's just how it is. And I'm not telling you you shouldn't live in these states. We're all going to gravitate toward these states. That's not why they're not steps. I keep telling you they're states. And we're constantly fighting to get above the line. But it all gets to us at the center. And here's the thing. What that does is that if I'm below the line and I'm acting as villain, victim, or hero, then guess what? I'm in the center of the drama. I'm a triangle. If I'm above the line as coach, creator, or challenger, it's very easy for me to see myself in the center of the conscious triangle. Very easy to see myself there, right? And so what I want us to do is to realize this isn't the state that God wants us to stay in. He wants us to grow and progress into the things of the Spirit, all right? And so with it, the me in the to me state right here, life is happening at the effect of my life. The things are happening, circumstances, people, situations, they're affecting me. The, the, the me in the by me, life is happening because of me. 
Okay, I've taken responsibility, and I am dealing with the people, the circumstance, the situation. So, and that's good in some ways, because that means I'm not letting somebody else have the control of power. I'm taking that authority. I'm taking that power, all right? But in some ways, if we're not careful, we can become below the line again, because we'll start to act like the hero. We'll take the burden, and that idea of power and control can take us to a place of ego. Amen? can take us to a place of just feeling like, like we're at the center of everything. So what I want to do this morning is I want to introduce you to another state that we can choose to live in that is so important. And it's not to me or by me. It is the state of living life with the mindset that life is happening through me. Everybody say through. Yeah, I'm part of this, but there's something bigger. There's something beyond. There's something other than myself that is working in and through me. So I'm not the focus anymore. What's working in and through me is the focus. When you start to live with that kind of mindset, just like I said, there's questions that come to mind in each of these. The question here is, why is this happening to me? The question here would be something like, what do I have to do to make this happen, right? But the question that's so awesome that you get yourself opened up to when it comes to through me living is questions like this. Is there something going on in addition to what I'm experiencing right now? Is there something bigger? Is there something beyond right now that I don't understand, you know? Well, what's the nature of what I'm experiencing? Well, what's at the, the, the root of this? Is this something that's physical? We're believers and we believe in the spiritual. Is this something that's spiritual? What's the nature of this? Or what does God desire to do in and through me in the middle of this? I told you in that funnel the first week, all those negative things that we experience, as you experience those circumstances, you're looking at it going, it's not just what I can do, but you're looking at it going, okay, God, what do you have going on right here? What's happening all around me? And I'm wanting to partner with that. And so what ends up happening, when you begin to open yourself up to another, and we're Christ followers here, so we believe that's God, amen? And so when you start to open yourself up to God, and you start to say, God, I don't like what I'm going through, I don't like this situation, but you know what? You're in control, and since you're in control, I'm going to open my heart to what you have, and you're going to do something in and through me, and as you do it, I'm going to be characterized by a life of awe. Has God ever done something where you just went, oh, oh. wow, a life of wonder, even in the negative stuff. It's like, oh, God, you're doing something. I can sense your spirit. I know you're accomplishing something amazing here. And so a life of awe and wonder, a life of flow. Like, it's not just happening by me, but it's happening through me. That, even that word through just sounds like flow, doesn't it? It's like just, I'm in the zone, baby. But it's not because of something you've done. It's because of someone you connected to. I told you this whole series, the first few weeks, I'm going to put something heavy on us. The last two weeks, we're going to get freed up. Amen? And realize what, we're going to get resolve in all this. I'm not, going to abdic- I'm not going to resolve you. Absolve. I'm not going to absolve you of your responsibility. No, no. But I'm going to show you what to do with that responsibility. Yes, we find that place of wonder and awe as we allow God to have his way. And so what the key is to through me living, you know, is that a person begins to notice and look for something that is beyond themselves, right? 
Or I'd like to say look for someone that's beyond us. We work towards something that is beyond our own self-interest and our own plans. And this begins to broaden our vision and our purpose in life. And it aligns us with something greater than ourselves. This is why I believe the Christian ought to be the most conscious person, the most conscious leader and healthy leaders in the world. We ought to be able to be those that are awake, not allowing our, our base nature to keep us below the line, but allowing ourselves to grow and take responsibility and allow ourselves to give ourselves to him to do what he desires to do in and through us. And so what happens when a person begins to move from to me living through radical responsibility, that's what makes you do it, to by me living they get real committed to aligning themselves with their purpose. When you start to take responsibility, you start to go, okay, what am I responsible for? What do I feel called to do? What am I supposed to, you know, and you start to really find responsibility and purpose and you align yourself with your purpose. And that's a good thing. Clarity starts to come in regards to who you are and what you're called to do. But when it comes to by me living in regards to purpose, it lends to a question like, what do I want? What do I want? What do I desire? What do I need? What do I? And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good place to start. Can I, can I give you a, a, real, a real neat exercise when it comes to being responsible in the by me area and you're trying to figure out purpose? Ask yourselves questions five levels deep. What do you mean, pastor? What do I want? I want to make money. That's one question. That's one level deep. All right? So ask yourself another question. Why do I want to make money? I want to have a nice house for my family. Okay, that's, that's two questions. Why do you want to have a nice house for my family? I just remember as a kid what it was like going from apartment to apartment, losing deposits, scrounging for the next deposit, getting evicted. This, and I just, I just hated how that felt as a child. So why did you hate how that felt? It made me feel like I had no security. So what do you really want? I want security for my kids. See how powerful that is? Guess what? Wanting to make money won't make you push forward towards your purpose. Wanting to give security to your children so they don't have the same insecurities you have the rest of your life, that'll cause you to work those extra hours, dream those bigger dreams, hustle that extra hustle. Come on. You see how that works? But it still, in some ways, is about me. It still has that component to it, but I do think that's a great practice. So buy me people, they, they, they will sit with responsibility around that question until they have some really good answers, and then they align themselves with that purpose. But when a person opens up to through me living, their questions change. Because it's not what do I want, the question moves to what does God desire in my life? What does God desire for my life? What does God want to do through my life? And we go from aligning ourselves to our purpose and wants to aligning ourselves to his purpose and desires. Amen? And I'll show you what causes that here in a second. 
By me, people try and just figure that purpose out. Where through me, people listen attentively to what is being communicated to them as they seek God in prayer, as they seek counsel by, by, by leaders that they trust and friends that they trust, as they seek God in the word. They're open to communication. I, very real. Like, I love what, what Jess was saying today. God was speaking to her by all these things. She's going through some stuff. But she was open to, okay, God, I'm going through it. And here comes a word. God partners with her and gives her a word to hold on to. And he used a bunch of other people to be obedient, to be, to be responsible, to give that word. And, and look what God did through that word. So have you ever been given a task that just seemed too big to handle? We're, we're moving from by me to through me. And in the by me, a task is laid at your hand. And you feel that responsibility to live up to the measure, to the task at hand, to the, the vision, the purpose, whatever it is. But you're just like, man, it's just beyond me. I don't know if I have the ability. I don't have the, if I have the means. It just feels beyond me. That, that's what happened in Scripture. I know all y'all know how I preach, and I usually have already covered a few Scriptures by now. So you're going, are we ever going to get to the Word? Yes. Turn your Bibles to Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4. So the task was given to Zerubbabel to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. Babylon had taken Israel captive. They had literally brought forth deportation and destruction. They took the people from the city and they destroyed the city. Now, years later, come and it's opportunity to go back and to begin to rebuild the city. The task was put upon the civic leader over Jerusalem, whose name was Zerubbabel. He had the responsibility to finish the work of rebuilding the temple. And the work, it's about 20 years in, the work had stalled. And, and, and when, it, when, when you think of this temple, just imagine a pile, a mountain of rubble, literally, the raised temple was. And so now here's an opportunity to come, and, and that's where we find this prophetic word that comes to Zechariah for Zerubbabel. Thank God for a word that's timely from the Lord. Amen? Sometimes the very thing you need to shake you out of that, 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 that feeling of tension that I have to fix this. You just need a word from the Lord to help shake you into that through me living. That's why going to church is so important. That's why checking into some worship music is so important. That's why getting in the word is so important. Amen? Because you're literally constantly telling yourself, it's not about me. It's all about him. This too shall pass. The stuff you're going through. God, you got a plan. You got a purpose. You need that reminder. So that reminder comes to Zechariah in the night. Verse 4, let's stand to our feet. Chapter 4, verse 1, let's stand to our feet as we honor God's word this morning. It says, And the angel who talked with me came again, and he woke me like a man who is awakened out of sleep. I've been telling you the idea of being conscious, that consciousness is the idea of being awake, right? Being alert, not just going through life in autopilot. So here's an opportunity. This guy spiritually is getting awake. I want you to get awake, amen? He says, and he said to me, what do you see? I said, I see and behold a lampstand all of gold with a bowl on the top of it and seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on top of it. And there are two olive trees by it, one on the right side of the bowl and the other on the left side of the bowl. 
And I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? I'll just pause for a second. You get the picture. This is the temple he's rebuilding. And that golden lampstand, that, if you will, that menorah type thing in the golden, in the temple, he's given him a picture of what this looks like with its seven candle branches with bowls on the top and with, 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 um, um, oh, I forgot what they called it. I was just looking here with, um, seven lips on each of them and, the, and everything's pouring into these, these, these lamps. That's the picture to get. All right. And in verse 4, and I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? And the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. I, let, I got a ch chuckle out of that when I read that because I thought, I just told you I didn't know. And now the angel's saying, don't you know? I'm like, snarky angel. <laughs> I'm just, that's how I, 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 I don't know if they're snarky, but that one was. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that angel's a little bit below the line. That's just my, my that's my personal opinion, but... So then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now that was an opportunity for you to shout. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. Hallelujah. Yeah, says the Lord. Oh, I love it. The Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Remember the temple? It's in rubble. Who are you? This temple is in rubble, this pile of stone. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward the top stone. In other words, the building is going to be accomplished, and the capstone is going to be placed amongst shouts of grace, grace to it. Verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundations of this house. His hands shall be also completed. Then you will know what the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Go ahead and have your seat. I'm going to clear this up a little bit. And then we're going to finish with this model for the day. All right. So we can see the candelabra, if you will. You know, you see the seven pipes leading to it. There's two olive trees that are a part of this. That's amazing when you think about it because it's speaking of one of the most tedious tasks that the people that maintained the temple had to do. When it came to taking care of this candle that had to be lit all the time, it was one of the more tedious duties. So it's tedious. It is also something that had to have constant care. In other words, responsibility. You couldn't take your hands off of it. Constant care of the, the lamps on the golden lampstand. And they had to be continually refilled. You can see the burden and the responsibility. Tedious. Continually refilled. Constant. They had to do that. And so in this vision that Zechariah gets, oh, don't miss this, he sees self-filling lamps. I say, I want to shout right now. I just want to like run around the church. I'm just, oh my gosh, are you serious? Self-filling lamps? I'm a pastor. It'd be like me going, hey, that sermon's going to write itself. Woo! That marriage that is going through it, it's going to get counseled itself. That door that was stuck yesterday that I took the grinder to, because sometimes pastors got to do stuff like that, and I ground the door down, it's metal. It would have done it itself. Isn't that cool? The temple work. That's tedious. This picture is it's doing it itself. And not just that, that somebody's bringing in oil. No, no, no. There's two olive trees right there. 
feeding it. Do you know what it takes to get oil out of an olive tree? A whole lot more time than two trees just pouring oil in. Isn't that awesome? Think of, I mean, you're not crushing these olives. You're not collecting these olives. You're not, whatever you do with them, you're not jarring these olives. You're not having to go buy these olives. God's just like, you know what? I'm bringing forth what it takes to do this work right now by myself. That's what we're seeing here. In the temple, the lamps were fueled by pure, specially prepared olive oil, but the lampstand that Zachariah sees in his vision is fed straight from the trees. So what he's saying to Zerubbabel is, how will you accomplish the work? By the Spirit of God. That's how you're going to accomplish the work. It will not be, Zerubbabel, because of your cleverness. It will not be because of your ability. It will not be because of your connections. It will not be because of your strength. It will not be because of anything that you bring to the table alone that the temple will be built. But it will be built by the Spirit of God. For he says, not by power nor by might, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Not by power. Not by might. Let me, let me tackle might first, all right? What is might? Might is the focus of, 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 of strength that comes from a collective group, a collective body. It's the resource of a group, the resource of an army, the resource of a platoon, whatever you want to look at it. That's might, all right? So you're not going to accomplish this because everybody gets together and just works hard alone. It's not going to happen. Well, well, if I get more people responsible, no, no, it's still not gonna, you're not, still not going to accomplish it all. And you're not going to accomplish it through power. Power focuses on individual strength. So in other words, God's saying not by the resources of many or by one. No, no, no. But by my spirit, says the Lord. Not by to me living, nor by 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 me living, but by through me living. By, By my spirit, God will accomplish what he desires in and through the believer. That's the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. And that the necessary resources for God's work all comes from the Holy Spirit. And God promises Zerubbabel a rich resource in the Spirit of God to accomplish his work. See, when we trust in our own resources, we get pulled into these triangles, and the enemy would love to pull us and cause us to be burdened. But when we begin to trust in the resources of the Lord... Whether they be small or great in the eyes of man, man, God will bring the full supply of what's needed to accomplish what he calls you to. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, Oh, may God send us poverty. May God send us lack of means and take away our power of speech if it must be and help us only to stammer if we may only thus get the blessing. In other words, God, whatever I'm going through, Use it for your glory. I have an expectation the oil's coming. I have an expectation you're going to fill my lamp. I have an expectation you're going to build the temple. I have an expectation that through me, great things are going to happen, not because of me, but because of you, and I'm tapping into that flow. Amen? So God wanted Zerubbabel to know that the Holy Spirit would continually supply his need, just as the oil trees in the vision continually supplied oil to the lamps on the lampstand. God wants his supply and our reliance to be on the Holy Spirit, and he wants that to be continual. That oil was supplied continually. I'm going to throw this out real quick. Oil is a good representation of the Holy Spirit. Oil reduces friction and wear. 
You need that. Below the line living, whew, got a lot of friction. Oil heals, and it was used as medicine during the Bible times. Oil lights when it is burned in a lamp. Oil warms and brings comfort when it's used as fuel for a flame. Oil adorns when applied as perfume. You stink, you need the Holy Ghost. No, but the oil makes us more pleasant to be around. Man, we, we, we get below the line and man, we start to lose our pleasantness. We get working so hard and we treat people like machinery or scenery. We don't treat people like their ministry. We, we treat them like something that serves us and, and we're all about our stuff, getting it done because I'm being responsible. But we lose our fragrance. We lose that oil. Oil polishes when used to shine metal. There's times when you need the Holy Spirit to come. And there's things that only he can do. We sing about that today. So the work of the rebuilding of the temple was so massive, it seemed like a great mountain. And here God promises by his spirit that that great mountain is going to be leveled and that the temple would be built and that the capstone would be placed with shouts of grace, grace to it. All this was God's assurance to Zerubbabel that not only would the work be finished, but it would be a work of grace. When the work is done through human might or power, we get to take credit for it. But when it's done because the Holy Spirit is leading and doing it through us, and we look and say, oh, it's all grace. Grace, Jesus, who he is, his presence gets the credit. And so one last thing we see in the scripture is it says, don't despise small things. And I can see the rebel being like, small things. That's all I've been doing is small things for 20 years. Little rubble, move a little more rubble, move a little more rubble, move a little more rubble. It just feels like all small things. Don't you realize sometimes in life, everything feels like a bunch of small things. Sometimes so many small things, it feels like a lot of things, right? But don't despise those small things those days that you're dealing with small things, man, don't live those as if they're a mistake. No, no, they're not a mistake and they're not punishment. They are days of shaping and preparation. They're days of driving yourself above the line and that's causing you to have growth. Though the work of the Holy Spirit came to them and it empowered them, Zerubbabel still needed to work. It said Zerubbabel took the plumb line. That plumb line is something the contractor will use to set the foundation. And he'll use it again at the end to check the foundation. So from the beginning to the end, Zerubbabel is to have his hands to it. It just wouldn't be accomplished because of his might alone. So what that moves us to, we went from to me to by me by responsibility. What we move from by me living to through me living is surrender. Surrender. That's what moves us there. Surrender. Surrender or, or literally letting go is the gateway to move from by me to through me living. I told you last week the locus of control. Often we want to place that control in other people and we place blame. The other side is we take responsibility. But I want to go one step further. We don't just take the responsibility. Now we lay that before the throne. Placing is all about our ego. Taking is all about responsibility. But surrender is all about release. Giving it to him. Amen? Letting go of wanting to be in control is an action, though, that you have to do over and over. It has to be taken and given, 
taken and surrendered, taken and surrendered over and over. It's very difficult for us to leave it in the hands of the Lord, right? When we were in Toomey living, we lived very much in little control. Little bit, because we're giving it away. And in, in, in by me living, we're taking too much control if we're not careful. This is going to happen by me. So we can get a sense of power and control, which can feed into our ego. But wait, Ross, I just started taking control and sensing empowerment and control. And now God wants me to surrender? Yes. It's exactly what I'm saying. It's not by power nor by might, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. And I give that to him. <clears throat> so, just, wait, I, I, excuse me. I said, I started talking, talking about control and then that sense of empowerment that can come, that can feed ego. But when you give surrender, man, it just, it seems like it just, as you surrender to the Lord, it just brings you above the line and holds you up there. Keeps you above the line. Because now when tension comes and people try to bring you down to the drama triangle, it's like, no, 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 I'm not living there because I, my eyes are on higher things. Higher thoughts, higher purpose, higher intent. I don't need to get pulled down there. I, my hands are on too much for the glory of God and for his honor. I'm not going to get pulled down there. So as you are becoming less governed by the drama triangle and you take more responsibility for life, you start to find life has a sense of ease about it as you surrender things to the Lord. And like I said, just like taking responsibility moves you from life happening to you to life happening by you, living a life of surrender moves you into the place of life happening through you. I'm going to read one last scripture and we're done. In 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 10, it gives a picture of this idea of life happening through you. Because remember, we had creator up here, creator and coach and challenger, creator. When you start to realize that life is happening through you, you start to work in cooperation with the creator. It's not what you're creating. It's what he's creating through you. The onus is on him. You're just a servant. You're just leaning into what he desires. And so 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 10 makes it so beautiful. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready yet, for you're still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Remember this? These are people that they have followed the teachings of a teacher, Apollos or Paul, and because of that, they're pedestaling. They're making Paul the hero, okay? And so because of that, Paul's come along and saying, no, 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 that's not what this is about. And when you have that mindset, you are below the line. He even uses this word. I told you this a few weeks ago. Down here you have flesh. You're thinking like an infant, driven by your impulses, doing what you just, you know, no. We're supposed to move from flesh above the line to a place of, of the spirit. To the place of the spirit. From flesh to spirit. That's what this is challenging here. <clears throat> are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants. That's who they are. They're servants to whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. They were people who were working through God to do great things. And Paul and Apollos weren't looking and saying, put me on a pedestal. 
Why? Because they knew that God was doing something through them. They were servants to a higher purpose. They were servants to God. So neither, he says here, oh no, then it says, servants to whom you believe is the Lord assigned to each. I planted, there's responsibility. Apollos watered, there's responsibility. But God gave the growth. See that? That's surrender. I did my part, he did his part, and you're the fruit. Don't feed into my ego because I did my part. That's what they're saying to these guys. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. Some people will say co-labor, some of the translations. I'm just calling it co-creator. But that idea that, you know what? In that conscious triangle, I'm not alone. And I'm going to submit my me to the creator. And God, what are we going to do together? What do you want from me? What are you doing in me and through me? That's what we're talking about here. So we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master. I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. He looks to the people and he says to them, you're God's building. Remember that temple that was in Zerubbabel's time that he was building, that the oil was coming? Guess who is the temple now? You are. Guess what's coming? The oil of the Holy Spirit. The touch of God. When we take that control and we stop placing and we take it, and then we say, okay, God, I can't do this alone, but I bring it to you. He's like, all right, come on. Here comes the olive trees. I'm going to fill you to overflowing with the oil of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to touch you with the strength you need. That way, the glory that comes, comes to me. It won't be by power nor by might, but it will be by my spirit. And if God could rebuild a temple that laid in rubble that long and that mountain could be removed, turned into a plain that could be built upon, God can rebuild you. God can rebuild your situation. God can do a work. And God can fill it with his oil. It goes to the end. It says, let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. I think it so beautifully ties into the old scripture in Zechariah. Because guess who is our capstone, our chief cornerstone? Guess who? Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the finish work. He's the one that brings grace to us. And so when they cried out, when the capstone was laid upon the temple, and they cried out, grace, grace to it. Man, Jesus comes as that foundational stone, and he cries out to you, grace, grace to you. Don't be burdened by trying to do it all alone, but come through me and walk in my grace, walk in my creativity, walk in all that I have, and watch what we will accomplish together for the good of people and the glory of others. Amen? Give God some praise. Amen? Yeah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you that we're not in this alone. Lord God, I hope this time that we just can see what it looks like to shift above the line, not hold on to anything more than we're supposed to, but Lord, walk in partnership with you so that not by power nor by might, but by your spirit, you'll accomplish all you desire in and through us. In your name, Jesus, amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.